Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is LPGA player and legend Gail Graham. Let me give you some more background on Gail. She is from Vanderhoof, British Columbia, which is in Western Canada. As a junior golfer, she won the Manitoba Junior Championship once and the Manitoba Ladies Championship title twice. She played her college golf at Lamar University, where she was a four-year letterman and an all-academic All-American in 1986. She was a member of their 1983 team that finished seventh in the NCAA Division I National Championship. She was inducted into the Lamar University Hall of Honor in February of 2000. Gail finished fifth in the Canadian Amateur Championship in 1985, won the Manitoba Amateur Championship and the SMU Fall Classic that same year. She was a member of the Canadian Commonwealth Championship team in 1987, turned pro in 88, and won the, the Manhattan Futures Classic title. She qualified for the LPGA Tour in 1990 by finishing fifth at the LPGA Final Qualifying Tournament in 89. She got her first win on tour at the 1995 Field Classic Cannon Open by two strokes over Tammy Green. She won again in 1997 at the Australian Ladies Masters by one stroke over Kari Webb. In 1998, she won the Canadian PGA Women's Championship. In 2000, she became the first non-American president of the LPGA Tour. In 2002, she was awarded the William and Mousy Powell Award, which is given annually to the LPGA Tour player whose behavior and deeds exemplifies the spirit, ideals, and values of the LPGA Tour. In 08, she was inducted into the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame. In 2015, inducted into the British Columbia Golf Hall of Fame, and she's now out playing on the LPGA Tour, and I'm very honored she is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Gail, thanks for coming on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for that little trip down memory lane. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's. I want to go back to the to your start in golf. And I read a story about you that said you were out with your father one day. He was playing golf, and you were sort of walking alongside him because you had nothing better to do. And you know, you asked if you could take a swing, <laughs> having never played before. You hit a perfect shot straight down the fairway. Is that how it all got started for you? Pretty, yeah, pretty close. Um, you know, my parents. Uh, my father worked for the Royal Bank of Canada, and um, we lived in British Columbia when he got transferred to Manitoba, and. A lot of the kids there, their families had cabins that they would go to on the lakes in northern Ontario and, and uh, southern Manitoba in the summertime. And we didn't because my dad liked to play golf. And so eh, I was kind of bored. And they took me out one Sunday. My little brother was already playing. And, and I walked around with them. And I said, okay, well, that was like the most boring thing I've ever done in my whole life. So maybe <laughs> next week, you know, can I try it? And uh, so we went out, and my dad uh, the, got the head pro to give him a set of clubs for me to try, and, and the pro showed me how to hold on to the golf club, and away we went. And, and in my first nine holes, I shot 59, um, with really no instruction other than how to hold on to the golf club. So um, it was uh, – I, I got bitten by the bug very quickly. Um, and, I, you know, I was an athlete. I played everything. So um, it, was, it was kind of fun to do something on my own without a team. And um, – my brother, my little brother played also, and um, it became a great spot for us to be out at St. Charles Country Club in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and go round and round and round the West Nine with uh, a bunch of other kids, and and uh, we were there from dawn to dusk. 
for a lot of the summer. Uh, so it was a, it was a great way to start. And, and, you know, Gail, it's one thing, you know, to enjoy the game playing with your brother, your father, your mother, you know, your family out there. It's it's quite another to realize, hey, you know, I could be really good at this. When was that moment <laughs> for you? When did you discover I could really be good at this? Um, well, you know, as I went through high school, um, I had a couple of opportunities that sort of gave me a taste of what um, golf outside of my own little nest um, was like, and um, the, the Optimist at the time ran the Junior Worlds in San Diego, and the Optimist Club in Manitoba picked me along with three other um, junior golfers, one other girl and, and two boys to go to San Diego, um, and they let us know in about November, and we were to go in, in the summertime the next the next summer, so I spent that summer uh, when I was 15 really working hard on my game, and and then I went down to San Diego, and, and who were the stars there but Phil Mickelson and Heather Farr. And I was rudely awakened to the fact that I didn't even stand a chance against these players that were playing all year round and, and had been playing golf for a lot of years, and I'd only been playing golf for two years. So, uh, But it gave me sort of the bite and, and the desire to go back and have some fun and travel and, and uh, pursue golf as, a, as, a, as something. Um, and then, you know, into my senior year of high school, I was offered a, a scholarship to Lamar and, and it really wasn't till after my freshman year there when, um, Dawn Coe, um, now, you know, as Dawn Coe Jones, um, she, she was a senior when I was a freshman. And when she got her tour card, we all kind of went, wow, uh, we could beat her on any given day. So, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should think about this. And, and so as I, uh, progressed through college and had, you know, three more years basically to develop my game. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to give this a go, um, and see what happens. Maybe five years and, and see where I am after five years. And, you know, 20 some years later, um, I'm still playing competitively every now and then. <laughs> so it kind of stuck. <laughs> so, so how did you, you know, how does a girl from, from Western Canada end up playing her college golf in Texas? That's a great question. Um, the coach there, uh, Pat Park, uh, she recruited a lot from Canada. She had had some success um, with not only uh, with Don, but um, Don Courtgard, um, Lynn Cook, um, and some you know players that came along. Patty Grant, who is now Patty Jonas, and, and is out in uh, Vancouver, and she teaches um, out there. Um, we had a there was a real core group of Canadians, and so when I arrived. Um, we had, I think we had three on the travel team that were Canadian and, uh, four actually. Leslie Price from Ontario came in the same time as me. And, and at one time, um, I think my senior year, we had all five players were Canadian. Um, the coach liked us because not only had we, you know, shown that we could play, but we were also really good students. So she could, uh, get us into academic scholarships. Uh, to be able to spread scholarships around and, and have a, a stronger, you know, a stronger team, um, and, and with more depth. So, uh, we were lucky that way. And, and, you know, to this day, Lamar and now so many other colleges recruit not only from Canada, but from around the world. So, um, it was a bit of an awakening going from Winnipeg, Manitoba, where in September I would be putting my clubs in the closet for the winter to Beaumont, Texas, where in September it's 100 degrees out, and I was not putting my clothes in the closet. So I was, it, was a little, it was a little sharp contrast to what I was used to. And um, I remember my first uh, 
first winter break going home for Christmas and I was home for 21 days and I never, literally never stepped outside. Um, we would, I would get in the car in the garage and we would usually park in a parkade. It was so stinking cold. I couldn't stand it because I was so used to that hot <laughs> weather already. <laughs> and I wonder why now I'm cold all the time. <laughs> and Gail, you mentioned a moment ago, Donco Jones. We unfortunately lost her not that long ago to, uh, to bone cancer, but just curious to, yeah. you know, to get your memories about, you know, playing alongside her. Well, what a great, what a great uh, mentor for me and a great friend for me over the years. Um, you know, we used to call Dawn when I was in college, we used to call her the chief and we would have to follow her around, you know, so whatever, she was the senior, she was the number one player and, and, um, you know, the coach would say, where, where do you want to go for dinner? And we'd all look at Dawn because we knew she'd win anyway. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> As it turned out, you know, when I got out on tour, um, she took me under her wing and, you know, helped me find my way around courses the, the first couple of years. And uh, my ex-husband, actually, um, Terry Graham, he actually caddied for her for a couple of years. She she had seen that as we were going through my, um, my second year on tour that uh, we were struggling a little bit with spending a little too much time together. And uh, she said, hey, anytime you guys want to take a week off, I'd be glad to have Terry come caddy for, for me. And that was the last time <laughs> caddy for me. <laughs> and uh, it turned out to be, you know, a great partnership for them. They, they, uh, he was on her bag for her first win um, in Hawaii. And, um, and it was, you know, we, we became very, all of us became very close and with her husband, Jimmy as well. And, and so it was, um, it was, a, a really great friendship and oh, you know over the course of the years we just became you know more and more uh sort of lifelong friends and um you know 2016 watching her be diagnosed and and go through surgery and treatments and and fight and uh she did it with such class and such grace and we were you know blown away by how she handled herself um just a year ago we had the first Don Code Jones classic uh, to benefit the Amanda Lee Fund at, at um, Moffitt Cancer Center. And um, that event is coming up at the beginning of November. Um, and obviously, it will be the first time without her. It would be very bittersweet. But uh, she stood in front of a room of, you know, 300 people and spoke very eloquently. There wasn't a dry eye in the room except for her. And, you know, less than a month later, she was gone. And so it was, uh, it's, it's been hard. I can't believe it's been almost a year since she's been gone. But um, you know, miss her every day, and um, I see so many traits of hers and her son Jimmy, who is playing at the University of South Florida and is in his senior year. Um, things that you, you wouldn't even realize, like when he finishes, he kind of settles into his hip, just like she did, and the way he she he sets up over the golf ball, it looks just like her, and it's just it's mind blowing the resemblances um, that there are between the two of them, but. Uh, you definitely miss her incredibly. Um, she was always good for a laugh and, and a, a poke of fun. And when certain television shows came on or, or she heard from someone on Facebook or she used to watch my dogs um, over the Internet when they were at the kennel when I was traveling. And she would yell at me because she, she'd say, why did you give me that link? I spent an hour watching your dog sleep. And we used to get a big kick out of that. But. Um, you know, she, I, I do, I miss her dearly and, and, um, bone cancer is a very, very hard thing, especially 
the type that she had and, and you know, the event um, November 3rd, which is at Tampa Palm, um, her home course, um, you know, hopefully they'll make a dent in finding uh, better better ways to treat it and hopefully a cure one day down the road. And Gail, I've I've talked with a lot of players, you know, on uh, on, on the men's uh, men's side and on the ladies' side about Q School and the qualifying tournament <laughs> and it being the most stressful tournament that they've ever played in. Was it the most stressful for you? <laughs> oh boy, uh, yeah. You know, um, actually, it's funny. You know, the uh, LPGA sectional is coming up this week in Venice, and um, I have a young lady who's a good friend of mine who's going through that. Um, this week, and I, I actually tied for first with Donnie Andrews at the at the sectional in Venice, you know, a hundred years ago. And um, that part of it, I didn't find it stressful. When you get to the when you get to the final school, um, the stress is, is is hard to describe because it's not like your heart is racing or you're shaking, but your body just thinks that you just don't know where it came from. I remember standing in the middle of a fairway. And it was a par five, and you could go for it in two. And uh, I had three wood, and I, I shanked my three wood out of bounds, going for the green in two, and stood wow. there and went, "Whoa, what was that?" And then I dropped the ball and hit the next one on the green and made the putt for par. <laughs> so, wow! You're like, how did that just happen? <laughs> you know, it was so <laughs> it was kind of mind blowing. But the stress would show up in different ways, and um, you know, it took me. I qualified on my second attempt and attempt in my first attempt. Um, I shot, I was in one of the last groups the final day and I shot 80 and I bogeyed the last hole and I missed by a shot. And I oh. remember thinking at the time that that was just the most devastating thing that had ever happened to me. Um, and, you know, two or three years later, I realized it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I really wasn't ready to be out there. Um, as it turned out, I went through my my rookie year on tour in 1990, and then and had to go back to Q school again. And I I talked myself into that I was never ever going back to to play the Futures Tour. Um, and I was bound and determined I was going to have exempt status. And uh, I never looked back. I finished. I think I finished eighth that year, and then I never looked back. I never even came close to to losing my card until it was time to walk away from, from the tour. So um, it is a very stressful time because it, it uh, you know, you have such big dreams and, and you want them to happen now. And if, it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, I could say it's a process. And there are times when you don't qualify that it, there's a reason for it, but it takes a whole year to figure out what that reason was. And that, and that's, you know, when you're young, that's a hard thing to, to swallow. Um, but like I said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me that I didn't qualify my first time because um, I wasn't ready the second year either, <laughs> as it turned out. Uh, but hey, you know, uh, I can look back now and say I wouldn't have, I wouldn't give any of that all up. It, I, I learned a lot, and it made me a stronger player for sure. So, Gail, let's let's talk about your first win on the tour, '95 Fieldcrest Cannon Open. What was it like for you? You know, coming you know coming down the stretch, you got the opportunity to win your first tournament on tour. You know, what's it like trying to get yeah. that first win when you got you know a few holes left to play? Well, you know, the night before, I had a one shot lead going into the final round, and the night before, we had had a um, dinner for outgoing commissioner Charlie Meacham, and 
I had arrived late because I was playing late and I wanted to practice a little bit after and then I had to do some media stuff. So by the time I got to the dinner, everybody was already seated. And um, once dessert came around, I got up and I kind of wandered around the room and I, and I talked to Meg Mallon and I talked to Beth Daniel and I talked to Pat Bradley. And my question to each of them was, um, if you're on 18 and you have a one-shot lead, um, the 18th hole was a hittable par five. I said, do you go for it too? Because there was a big punt. I mean, there, it was definitely risk reward, but um, do you go for it too? And, and to a player, they said, well, you know, worry about that when you get there. Um, and and depends, it, it depends on, you know, how he's been playing the whole day. And, and if you've got that one-shot lead, you're still in control. So um, if the if the player you, you're playing with can't go for it too, then, you know, you might not want to risk it. But if they can, you might want to think about it. And uh, sure enough, I got to the 18th green or 18th tee and we had a long wait and uh, Tammy Green was one shot back and she stood up on the tee first and, and hit it into the fairway bunker. So I knew she couldn't go for it in two. Um, and then I hit the biggest grab I, I hit all week and I was down so that I had, I think, about 160 yards into the green. And it was no question as to whether it was a go or no go. It was only 160 yards. So I ended up, uh, she laid up, um, and I still felt like, you know, she could still make birdie from there. That was There's no question about that. But um, I took enough putt to hit it to the back of the green, which I did. And then uh, she hit it about 10 feet, and I rolled my first putt about 10 feet past, past the hole, just inside of her. And when she missed hers, I made mine. And I just remember the the sort of aha I did it and I whoa wait a minute I just did it like it, it, was, <laughs> it was so surreal because I was so into it and so focused and then uh, I was uh, like immediately out of that focus and the realization that wow these people are cheering because I just made that putt and I just won holy cow I just won and uh, <laughs> it was pretty amazing I was you know I still felt like I was pretty young up there and and um but I'd seen a lot of my friends win, and I thought, you know, I could do this. Like Dawn, I, I, every given day I could beat her. So um, it was pretty amazing. And, and you know, back then um, we did a lot of stuff. Uh, we did a lot of stuff off the golf course as players that kind of went unheralded. And the day after, um, so I had, you know, we celebrated. We did the media thing, and, and I had pizza with some, some friends at, at one of their private housing. And, I then got in the car and drove down to downtown Charlotte um, to spend the night in a hotel room with like six other players because Betsy King being one of them, we got up the next morning and started to build the house for Habitat for Humanity. And I thought, wow, wow. okay, that's what it's like to win a tournament. And you, you know, aren't you supposed to like celebrate for days? And no, we turned around and it was back to re like serious reality the next day, which is really cool. It really grounded me. Um, and it took me, you know, I didn't get home till Friday. And uh, when I arrived home, then there was the celebration with everybody from my youngest nieces and nephews to my grandmother at the airport to, to meet me. So um, it was really, it's, a, it's very vivid in my mind um, about that. Um, you know, the only thing was that the, my husband at the time wasn't there. I was there by myself. So uh, that was kind of a little bit bittersweet. Um, fortunately, the second win that I had on tour, my parents were there. So that, uh, and that's a great story too, but um it, it was it was very cool to have family right there when you win 
Yeah, and that's what my next question was about the 97 Australian Ladies Masters. Your parents travel over <laughs> to Australia with you, and then yeah. they get to see you win a tournament on top of that. Talk about how special that was. It was pretty surreal. I remember telling my parents that I had two round-trip tickets on Canadian Airlines, and we should use them. Somebody should use them before they expire or before Canadian Air goes belly up. And and uh, it wasn't that long after that that they did, so I'm glad they used them. But I remember my dad saying, well, it's tax time. You know, I don't know if we should be spending money. I'm like, Dad, you've been retired for 15 years. What's what's any different this year than any other year? And, and so they agreed to go, and they ended up flying into Sydney. And the course um, that we played was on the Gold Coast. And they rented a car and drove from Sydney up the coast of Australia to Queensland and arrived Thursday morning in time for my first tea time and then walked 72 holes with me along with, strangely, uh, quite a few members from St. Charles Country Club in Winnipeg. Um, they would, instead of going to Florida or to California for the winter, they would go to Australia for six months. And uh, so I remember this, this, motley group of Canadians being there with um, with all those Aussies out there cheering Kari on and uh, when we got to the back nine on Sunday she had a five-stroke lead standing on the 10th tee and um, I won by a shot so it was pretty surreal the last nine holes how I played well and she was a little uh, you know, sort of unglued by everything and, and three putted a couple times and I made a few birdies and the next thing we knew we were coming down 18 tied. And um, I remember, what I remember most was making her cry. <laughs> and I feel I felt terrible at the time and I laugh about it now, but um, I know that that was a, a sting for her. And I, I, I want to sort of say, hey, you know, this is what spurred Kari Webb onto her Hall of Fame career, but she was well on her way to that. But um, it was, it was pretty surreal beating her because she was, uh, the phenom at the time. She was the Lydia Ko. She was the Brooke Henderson on tour at that time. And, um, you know, her career, uh, I can only, it, it's just amazing what she has done and continues to do. But um, I can take a lot of pride in the fact that I beat one of the best players in the world um, to win my second event on tour in a really cool place with my parents there. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> just a couple more, Gail, before we let you go. And like I mentioned in your intro, you're in more Hall of Fames than you, people can shake a stick at. You're in the <laughs> Hall of Fame at Lamar. You're in the Golf Hall of Fame for both Manitoba and, and, and British Columbia. In, in your quiet moments now when you sit back and, and, and reflect back on your career and all the things that you've accomplished, what, I mean, what's, what's it? Do you, do you give yourself credit? Do you think, wow, what an unbelievable career, what a wonderful life I've had? I mean, what's it like to, to reflect back on all the things you've been able to accomplish? You know, it's, it's, um, it, it, I, I'm very proud of all of those things and, and golf has, has really provided for me in, in so many ways, uh, throughout my, my career and through my life. Um, you know, being a part of the Commonwealth team that won in New Zealand and, and, you know, being on, on provincial teams and, and the national team for Canada and, and Lamar and, you know, right up to playing um, handicap with, with the internationals on the legends tour. Um, it, you know, from a competitive standpoint, it, it's just been a, a, an amazing journey um, on that side of it for sure. Um, and I look at outside the ropes, the things that it's given me, you know, I, I was president of the LPGA tour at a time where there weren't a lot of international players who were, 
really taking um, interest in the in the workings of the tour and building the tour and and I'm very very proud of that and and I served for seven years of my career um, and two years as president and then you know I took that when I retired and became president of the Tournament Owners Association for the LPGA and got to work with all the events and I, I talk about it as being my outside the ropes um, uh, outside the ropes career and uh, and now you know I'm I'm still playing a little bit on the Legends Tour and I'm teaching and it it just gives me uh, so much joy to be able to see people get it when they you know they have some improvement in their game and they're excited about it and and enthusiasm and and I can impart all of the things that I've learned over so many years of experience to to those people and um you know I think the greatest joy though in all of it um and I laugh sometimes and we and a lot of us do on the legends tour we're like geez were we really that good because it's just kind of mind-blowing because you know how hard the game can be it, it it can be so difficult and and you think wow I, did I ever hit shots like that and then you hit a good one and you think wow I still got it and it you know it make, that makes it kind of fun but um you know the greatest part of the game is is being able to to just play and play with whomever um you know I was out this past weekend I'm in Portland Oregon right now and I was out this past weekend watching a young lady that I teach play division a division three tournament um with her teammates from Whitworth University in Spokane and and it was you know it was so fun just to watch them play and sort of to feel that pressure and that excitement and and you know wanting her to do so well and then turning around and playing golf with my friends you know where, where we're just laughing and and having a beer and enjoying the game and um you know I'm, I'm so thankful that that one sunday my parents took me out and um you know my father passed away this past april and and to the very end golf was the thing that kept us so closely connected and he you know at eight at the age of 90 he shot 89 and and you know wow. broke his age for the umpteenth time and and we laughed because he's like you're never going to be able to do that when you turn 90 and so you know the golf the golf <laughs> just spans so much so I'm I'm very proud of my career and I'm proud of what I've done off the golf course and and I'm excited for the so many opportunities that that it continues to present to me whether that is you know coming on a radio show with you or or commentating with the golf channel or or working on the board of the Legends Tour, or, you know, teaching young kids to play. Um, it's just such a great game that it just provides so much um, life experience uh, rather than, you know, just a sport experience. And, and uh, you know, I want everybody to play golf. I want every kid to play golf just so that they have the opportunity for some of those great experiences that I've had. And Gail, before we let you go, I was noticing, I believe it's on your website. Are, are you, do you uh, spend winters down in, in Naples, Florida, Esplanade Golf Course and uh, Country Club? I do, and, that, and I'm headed back that way, and, and uh, we'll start uh, back up teaching on, on November 1st and, and really look forward to uh, a good season there after you know, all the cleanup from Irma, and Esplanade is open, and we're, we're very playable, and, and uh, looking forward to seeing all my students back down there again. Do you ever get to another good friend of the show, Tom Patry, spend some time in the winters down there? You ever see Tom? I, I stand on the tee next to Tom Patry, so I see him every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for you guys. It's the best. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, good for you. Best. <laughs> so, Gail, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with the great things you're doing, whether it's online or over social media? Well, I'm on Instagram at Gail Graham Golf, 
um, and Facebook as well. And then uh, my website is gailgramgolf.com. And I'd um, love to see everybody down there in Naples and or around the country. I seem to be doing a lot of traveling and, and with golf. So um, anywhere I go, I'm glad to meet uh, new golfers. Well, Gail, it's been a thrill getting to have you as part of the show tonight. So many other things I'd love to get your thoughts and insights on. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. It's been a lot of fun. I would absolutely love to do that, Chris. Thank you so much. All right, Gail. Take care. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Gail. You too. That is Gail Graham. And again, online, gailgrahamgolf.com. And you know, she has achieved so many things. And she's a wonderful teacher now. And uh, you can you know see all the great things that she's doing online and, and check it out on Instagram. That's where I first caught up with Gail and then you know on the other social media sites as well but boy what a treat to get to spend time with someone like Gail and hopefully we get the privilege of having her back on the show again real soon